Welcome to Human Capital Talk. I'm Chris Yeh. And I'm Najib Tharani. And today, we're here to talk about the power of the network. Now, what is the network? It sounds very important. Yeah, it sounds like, like the villain in some kind of a movie or something like that. Maybe a dark conspiracy, but no. When I say the network, what I'm referring to is the people in your personal network, the people who are your friends, your acquaintances, your coworkers, the people that you can actually call and who are going to answer. And this is actually a very important point because I think there are a lot of folks who seem to believe in what I call the cargo cult view of networking. And they basically try to amass as many connections as possible, whether it's on LinkedIn or Facebook or have you. And to me, this is going about it the wrong way. A connection that just exists on a network, but what you can't actually leverage isn't really a connection. Uh, I, I completely agree. Everyone's got a different philosophy on this, but certainly in LinkedIn, uh, in the early days, I used to see Lion, which is the LinkedIn open network, which was just connect, you know, for the sake of it. And you get all these invites. And I still get them today where people are saying, please connect with me. Or worse, they don't even say anything. It's the default LinkedIn invite. And my personal view on this is if I'm going to accept you into my LinkedIn network, which arguably is not the biggest and most famous network, I'm still going to be selective. I would like to be able to talk about you over a glass of wine or something else. If someone asks me, what do you know about Chris? Well, it turns out we were in Qatar together at an event. We've done X, we've done Y. I can tell people either a small story, a little ditty, something people might not even know about the person. That's something that I appreciate. And when I'm making either a virtual intro or an e-intro to two people, I like to be able to bring up that little tidbit about that person as an opener. I think it's a more powerful way to network. And the bottom line is the value of the network depends on its ability to actually do things. I get requests all the time. I get requests all the time, and people will say, "Hey, Chris, I noticed you're connected to so and so on LinkedIn. Can you make an introduction?" And the answer, of course, is always yes. Now, I might sometimes say, "You know, this is a person I have a really close relationship with," or I might say, "This is a person I haven't spoken with in a couple of years." But I'm always happy to try because my default assumption is we have connected on LinkedIn. We've done so for a reason. There's always a relationship of some kind. And in most cases, people are relatively happy to hear from me. So I'm more than happy to do that. Now, an interesting point about the Lions, the LinkedIn Open networking, Networkers, is they have been around since close to the very beginning of LinkedIn. And my co-author, Reid Hoffman, actually uses them as an example of how sometimes your most vociferous users are not the ones that you design your product for, right? You don't just listen to feedback from everyone and do whatever they say. Because the Lions were really focused on using LinkedIn in a way that didn't reflect what Reed's vision for it was. Reed's vision for LinkedIn is that when you have a LinkedIn connection, it's a person you have a real relationship with. And the Lions took it in a completely different direction. If LinkedIn had said, you know what, we're going to cater to our power users and built the service around the Lions, it would not be nearly as valuable for everyone else. And so there are times when you have power users, when you've just got to ignore them. And you've just got to focus on the users that you actually believe are going to create value. Mm -hmm. But you still have both the communities and people are getting their own value from it. They're just not necessarily following the founder's vision, but they find utility from that. And that's great for them. 
Absolutely. And I think it is important to note as an entrepreneur, as you have been before and will be again, Najib, that sometimes there are emergent behaviors on the part of the users that aren't what you planned on, but are something you should encourage. In the case of LinkedIn, for example, when they launched LinkedIn, one of the first things they discovered is that users said, hey, we really want to put a profile photograph on our LinkedIn page. Hard to believe, but when LinkedIn launched, it didn't have profile photographs. Really? And that was something that the user feedback caused the team to realize, oh, wow, this is really important. We need to put this in. I'd have to guess part of that is when your network starts getting large, even organically and carefully curated, whether it's one or two or three connections, you can quickly move to 500, possibly to 1,000 or even more. And these can actually be legitimate connections where you can even tell stories at an event over a cocktail or over a coffee. But there's going to be a point at, wow, I haven't spoken to that person in one or two years. What do they look like? I've lost my hair, so I look a little bit different. And as a result, uh, it's just nice to go back and look at a more current photo of the person so I can definitely see the utility in them. Well, Naj, the good news for you is you've got a good skull shape and the shaved head look is a good one on you. I think you're looking good. Thank you kindly. So getting back to this notion of the network, um, one of the things I find often is I enjoy just talking to people. I meet them in elevators, I meet them uh, you know, at a bus stop, at, at public transit, at a bar. I just like opening up and talking to people. But I'm often approached by people that look at this, dare I say, from more of an academic vantage point. Hmm. How do I learn to network? And as if there's an algorithm for it. And I would like to say there is one. I'm not sure there is, but I've found myself thinking a little bit more about that. Uh, and trying to look at it through the lens of how I might perceive someone who's taken a course in networking. And I would probably interpret it as maybe, maybe fake a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds a little bit harsh. Uh, I'm often telling people, just be yourself, be genuine. And a lot of people don't really like that advice. And so if someone asked you that, how would you tackle that? Well, that's an interesting one because one of the reasons that being yourself works for you, Naj, is that you're naturally fairly extroverted. You just enjoy meeting other people. And by the way, it's important to note that introversion versus extroversion is not about the level of social skills. You can be an introvert and have great social skills. You can be an extrovert and have terrible social skills. All it means is that if you're an extrovert, you gain energy from interacting with other people. And if you're an introvert, you lose energy from interacting with other people. So for a natural extrovert with good social skills, the advice to be yourself and just act natural is great. But if you're an introvert with poor social skills or even an extrovert with poor social skills, that advice is actually difficult to follow. So there may be a place for some sort of framework for, hey, here's how you network. So if we're in... If I'm an introvert and I'm asking you for that advice, what would be some of the, the talking points you would offer that person? Well, the funny thing is, I happen to believe that there was a great book written about this in the 20th century. It's a classic book, an all-time bestseller, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I have read this book. You have read this book. I read book. this book. 
Excellent. This was a book that I read for the first time after I graduated from college. I really wish I'd read it before I graduated from college. It would have been useful to read earlier in my career, but it sounded kind of scammy and dirty and, you know, the thing that you're feeling like, is this fake and is this really worth it? But when it comes down to it, when you read How to Win Friends and Influence People, basically what Dale Carnegie says is show a sincere interest in appreciation of the other person. And this is the core lesson of networking. Like a lot of people, when they think about networking, they say, okay, I'm going to get my elevator pitch down. Hi, I'm Chris Yeh, best-selling author. I really focus on these issues, right? The idea is you're going to summarize yourself in a very brief period of time so that people can decide if they want to interact with you or not. There's something to be said for being able to very quickly bust out your elevator pitch if people ask. But something that I think is far more effective when it comes to networking is to show an interest in other people, that genuine interest in other people. And I would say that the thing that has most, been most successful for me in my life in networking, and a lot of people say I'm very well connected, and my response to that is it's because I like to meet smart and interesting people. And it's not because I've carefully decided these are the people I'm going to meet. I've assembled a target list of famous people that I'm going to get to know. No, I don't do any of that stuff. What I do is I just try to meet smart and interesting people. And when I do, I ask them about themselves. I ask them to tell me about what they're interested in. I ask them to tell me about what they've learned recently because that's what I genuinely appreciate and like. Interesting. So I read one tip about this. I can't remember the source, unfortunately. But one of the bits of advice that was offered was instead of saying that old trope of what do you do, which can actually put someone on the back foot, change that and say, tell me about yourself. Yeah, I think that that is a great point. And I don't like asking people, what do you do? It's so cliched. And I also feel like it's very dehumanizing, as if the only value you have is your professional life. And so I agree. Tell me about yourself. What's something that you're really interested in recently? Hey, what's really on your mind? I mean, these are all open-ended questions that allow the person to really reveal something about themselves. And one of the things that you'll find when you are a good listener and you are learning from someone else is that there's almost nothing in this world that people enjoy more than talking with somebody who's genuinely interested in them. I think to play off that also, one of the things, and this is probably why I, I talked about being able to spot someone that is maybe, shall we say, fake or, or not genuine, particularly when I've been a person of interest to other people, typically consultants at an event, you can see very quickly someone is coming in, I have to network with 19 people, I'm going to come in, and I can spot that a mile away. And so it does set me off a little bit, and I'll be polite, but shall we say a little bit icy. However, there's a flip side to that where I found if I'm in a room and I'm having a very good conversation, I don't feel the need to go and talk to other people. Right. But what I've seen happen over that time is this might not be a two-minute or three-minute conversation with an elevator pitch. It might be a 20-minute conversation. And a crowd builds around you organically. If you are talking about things, you are laughing, people gravitate to you. And that conversation gets bigger, people share more ideas, more stories. That's what energizes me. That's what I love. That's what I cherish personally. Yeah, and I think that this gets to a very important point, which is 
ultimately, people are going to recognize when there is passion, when there's authenticity, when there's real appreciation. You go to one of these parties, and my approach has never been, I'm going to talk to 10 people when I get there. Again, this may be legitimate for other folks, but for me, that's not what it's all about. I like to set the bar low and just say, listen, here's what I want to do. I want to meet one interesting person I haven't met before and hopefully learn something from them. And I want to catch up with one person I already know and see what's going on with them recently. And I feel like if you do those two things at any particular gathering, you've already succeeded. That's a, that's a very fair point. I, um, I find when I've, I've done that and I've met that person, the stories that come out and the crowd that builds around us uh, usually is, I mean, it's, it's a nice memory for me. It's a nice memory for the people. But usually they turn into some like really good close friends, and it's something that, that I cherish to this day. Now, we have to make sure that we're not just all sweetness and light and ice cream and puppy dogs and apple pie. So there are times, I find, when I am at an event and someone might want to monopolize me. Mm-hmm. Right? Somebody may say, well, I just want to keep asking you questions and I want to take all your time. And basically, I want to use you as a free consultant. The speaker mob. And so the question is, what should I do in that situation? Well, tell me. I do not have enough experience in that particular (laughs) area, although we have shared more than a few private stories, so it might be useful for the audience to hear one. Well, I don't know if I'm the best in the world at handling this, but what I typically do is I will just, as I say, hang a lampshade on it. So if I feel like we've gotten to a point where this person is monopolizing me, there's other people I need to actually go over and see, Uh, I might say something like, well, this has been a great conversation, but I actually have to do a couple of other things before I go. Uh, But let's let's stay in touch, and we can talk more at a future date. It's a very diplomatic and a very professional way to end it. And the bottom line is there are times when people, again, it's very flattering if somebody finds you fascinating, But at the end of the day, if, for example, I'm speaking at a particular event, I'm there for all the people at the event, not just the first person who happened to get to me. And the issue does become, when I'm speaking at an event, if there's not enough time to actually speak with everyone who's waiting around. Because occasionally I'm trying to get to the airport and get home quickly. And so I'll spend as much time with people as I can, but I will explicitly say, hey, you know, it's not fair to the other folks if you take all the time. We can talk more at another date. I know you want to talk right now because I'm right in front of you, but these folks have been waiting as well. You wouldn't want, if you were in their situation, to miss the chance to talk to me. So I'll, I'll jump on that just for the benefit of people that tend to be a bit more introverted that have gone to these events. So you finished a speech. You're getting mobbed by several people who are trying to monopolize your time. And you're going to have to run off. You have a finite amount of time. To the people that are more introverted, what would be a couple of talking points or, or bits of advice to necessarily break through to kind of get even that one minute or uh, a little bit of their time and mind share? So I think that a lot of that is going to depend on the speaker. They have to be someone who recognizes that not everyone is extroverted and makes an effort to make sure that they speak with the introverts as well. I think it's very difficult if you're an introvert to actually sort of break in other than just by standing there and hoping that people eventually recognize that they should 
let you have a chance to have the conversation. I think once you do have the chance to have the conversation, I think that the key thing to do is to have a very specific question. Mm -hmm. This is something that you said that I thought was really interesting. I was hoping you could expand on that. Or you mentioned this. My experience is this. How do you reconcile those two? And have something that the person can really latch on to. Because if you just sort of say, hi, it's just an honor to meet you. I've been such a fan for so long. What am I going to say? I'm going to say, wow, it's great to meet you too. I love meeting my fans. This is fantastic. But there's not much more I can go with. Right. Well, this has been very useful. We hope everybody listening on the podcast has found it useful as well. And we are delighted to have you back and joining us again next week when we will be talking about whether the variety of experience is important or going in depth on experience is important. So look for that in another week. So until then, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.